Blog Talk Radio. Live from Los Angeles, the Win Without Competing show with Dr. Arlene Barrow, career coach one and author of Win Without Competing. Are you consistently searching for the best, the best job, the best house, the best spouse? If searching for the best has worked for you, stop listening right now. If you don't have all that you want, continue listening. If you change your mindset, you will change your life. How? Listen to my take on what's happening in our country. A country with low or no standards, a barrel of rotten apples, and two naked candidates. We are obsessed with asking the wrong questions. Who will be the best president? Who will be the best vice president? What is the best bailout bill? To determine the best, we compare and contrast, searching for similarities and differences. An intelligent 12-year-old can create these laundry lists. Hasn't anyone figured out that the mindset of competition, which leads to the mentality of best, doesn't work? If you compare and contrast two rotten apples and pick one, you have selected the best, which is still a rotten apple. Now we are confronted with the consequences of the competition mindset. Nothing works. The economy, healthcare, and education are products of the rotten apple decisions. If we insist on relentlessly searching for the rotten apples, we will never restore the health of this country, and we can forget about restoring the world's confidence in us. It is no wonder voters are having trouble evaluating the candidates. Like the emperor in the fairy tale, both are strutting around without any clothes. To cover up their flaws, they distract us with negative ads, half-truths, and verbal attacks. They wear their distractors as cloaks to cover up their nakedness. We must peel off the distractors. To do that, we need to change our mindset to the right fit and ask a new question. Who is the right fit candidate? To figure that out, we need each candidate to give us his blueprint of achievements for which he will be held accountable if elected. We are not asking about plans or solutions. The morgues are filled with the dead who had highly successful surgeries but then died. If you're scratching your head wondering why, the answer is simple. We make the erroneous assumption that if the process, what we do, looks good, that the outcome, what we achieve, will automatically be successful. What we do does not necessarily lead to the desired outcomes. Pumping billions into the economy is a solution. The question is, What will it achieve? 
We as a country do not want to become the dead patient. We must demand that Senators McCain and Obama tell us what they are going to achieve if elected president. Then, we can objectively evaluate each candidate to determine who is the right fit president and vote accordingly. We are getting ready to hire the next president. Let's tell the candidates now that if elected, we expect the new president's achievements to reflect high standards for the economy, healthcare, education, and national security. We expect the next president to reduce the national debt, not add to it. We expect the next president to anticipate problems and take action to prevent them. We will not accept a country with low or no standards, a barrel of rotten apples, and a naked president. I hope that my op-ed piece, The Country with Low or No Standards, A Barrel of Rotten Apples, and Two Naked Candidates, has helped you to decide on the candidate that is the right fit for you. Now let's talk more about you. You have the opportunity to change your life now. Here's how to feel more valued and respected at home and work. Manage the process. Don't assume anything. Take charge. Tell people only what they need to know. If someone asks you a question, you don't need to respond as expected. For example, on a job interview, Candidates often assume that they should spill their guts. Absolutely not. Manage the process. Tell the employer what they need to know to hire you. Show how you match the position. It may surprise you to learn that you may not need to disclose your current or past salary. I coached David before a job interview and asked him not to disclose his salary. In his own words, here's David's story from my book, Win Without Competing. We were driving through the streets of what was, to me, an unfamiliar city. And with every passing block, it increasingly seemed that I was trapped in a scene from Sartre's No Exit. The driver, a middle-aged woman was chatting incessantly as she drove us to a restaurant that would serve as the site of my interview. Petunia was the company's human resources vice president, and because I was captive, she figured she'd buffalo me as we drove. Mercifully, we'd be dining with others as well, including the head of the search committee, who had interviewed me over the phone a few weeks before. Famous in his own field and on the way to becoming even more renowned, Carrie had apparently chosen the restaurant. Several other people would be there as well, diluting Petunia's dinnertime repartee. But for now, 
Petunia had me trapped in her car, and she was relentlessly talking at me. The conversation finally turned to salary and how much I was looking for. Arlene Barrow had prepared me for this moment. So I was armed with a righteous feeling of immunity from Petunia's expectations that I should fess up and cough out a figure. Arlene had told me, as she had also told Petunia and others, that I was not to discuss salary. Arlene would take care of that. Pause now for a flashback. Arlene calling me to discuss this new position in a faraway city. Arlene convincing me that I should seriously consider this position, although the idea of moving from my exciting East Coast city to that distant location seemed odd, to put it most politely. But in the end, I had agreed to be presented for the position by Arlene at what was indeed a renowned institution, and I had put myself in Arlene's capable hands. She told me the field of candidates was quite small. She had tracked me down, and after perusing my resume, was convinced that I was the right fit for the job. I found it odd that I wasn't in contention with two dozen other candidates for this particular job. It seemed too easy, or so I thought, until Arlene went to work with me. She grilled me about myself and my career and went about guiding, encouraging, and mentoring me as I rewrote my resume to match the blueprint that she had created for the position based on what she had elicited from the employer. And while that sounds like a contrived way to try to impress a potential employer, it wasn't. My resume, my education and life and professional experiences did, in fact, match what the employer was looking for. The only really hard thing for me to do was to rewrite my resume so it rang like a giant biographical bell to make the employer love that song and communicate the message that they couldn't afford not to hire me. I looked over my new resume. I did all that, I asked myself. Yep, I guess I was quite the terrific candidate, at least according to the blueprint and the revised resume that Arlene had coaxed out of me. No wonder there weren't other candidates, but the rest was up to me. So after the first day of interviews, with movers and shakers at the institution, here I was with Petunia as she grilled me about my salary demands. I told her Arlene had made it clear that I was not to discuss this matter and that no one was to ask me about it. Incredibly, Petunia simply restated her question, how much are you looking for? I repeated my Arlene mantra, thinking it would make Petunia feel uncomfortable for having pushed the issue. But no, to my disbelief, Petunia asked the question again, only louder this time. How much are you looking for? She asked me at least three times, in fact, and she was insistent enough that I felt both uncomfortable and irritated. 
Yet I knew from my experience to date with Arlene that the smartest thing I could do was to follow her advice. Arlene would take care of it for me. She would do the negotiating this time, and I would learn from my experience with her how to negotiate when I found myself in such a situation in the future. Whether I was more angry than uncomfortable in that car with Petunia, I can't recall. But I do know that Petunia finally got tired of trying to pry it out of Finally got tired and stopped prying. The next time, I'll continue David's story. I look forward to talking with you again soon and to sharing the rest of David's story, The Imprisoned Candidate. This is Dr. Arlene Barrow, author, in without competing, and coach, career coach one. To contact me, email me at drbarrow at winwithoutcompeting.com or call my direct line, 310-441-5305. Until next time, remember this trigger tip. Change your mindset change your life. Goodbye for now. Dr. Arlene signing off. Thank you. Bye-bye.